Amen, amen. If you have a Bible, open up to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 12 this morning. James chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. James writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to be changed today. And God, I pray that you would help us to have our speech transformed by the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I, I just said that. I didn't really mean it. Well, I guess you just don't have very thick skin, do you? Oh, you know, you know me. I was just kidding. I mean, listen, everybody's going to get offended, but somebody's got to say this stuff. I'm just blunt. I'm just real. I'm just... I'm just... It was just words. It doesn't really matter. Every one of us has said these things are things similar to this. And they're all ways that we downplay what we say. And there's not a single one of us in the room who at some point in their life has not wanted to and tried to downplay something they said. There's a problem with that. Jesus won't allow it. The the Lord Jesus Christ does not allow us to do that. 
if you belong to Christ, I want you to hear this really clearly and plainly today. If you belong to Christ, you are not allowed to say whatever you want. You are not allowed to speak however you want to speak. And furthermore, if you follow Jesus, you cannot downplay words. What we say matters deeply. It's even more important for us as Christians because we recognize how important words are to what we believe and why we believe it. Jesus Christ, in fact, is even called the Word of the Lord, the Logos of God in the New Testament. The Lord spoke the world into existence. Our speech matters. What James is trying to help us see in this passage is that the devil may be in the details of how you talk and how you speak so much more than you even realize. In fact, you may have sulfur on your breath and you don't even know it. This morning, I want us to look at four truths from this passage of Scripture, very practical thoughts that I think can help us move from devilish discourse to gospel speech. The devil is the accuser. He's a mocker. He's a liar. And he wants nothing more than for us to speak out of our pride, for us to speak rashly, for us to speak unkindly, for us to be ungodly, and for us to pretend like it doesn't really matter these truths these truths from the scripture i think can help you to evaluate your tongue evaluate your speech and therefore i think what james is saying is help you evaluate your entire course of life four truths this morning to help you move from devilish discourse to gospel speech here's the first point this morning watch what your tongue can do to your heart Watch what your tongue can do to your heart. Notice what James leads with here in verse 1. It's an interesting way to open up this passage. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's a good thing to remember. I don't think this is uh, only talking about pastors. Certainly pastors are within the purview of this. But the reality is that all of us at some level or another are teachers of Christianity. Are we not? If you're a parent, I hope you're teaching Christianity. If you've ever witnessed to someone, or you even have a desire to witness to someone, you recognize at some level or another, you are a teacher of Christianity. But I obviously believe Paul has something more formal in view here for those who teach in any sort of a formal capacity in the church. Pastors, ministers, Sunday school teachers, and others who hold some sort of an office or a a responsibility of teaching in the church. And so he begins addressing them, and and we all have seen in our lives folks who want to teach the Bible just to hear themselves talk. That's a tendency that there is. I, I think some people want to teach in order to gain influence for the wrong reasons. I've seen that happen where there's someone who's disgruntled with the church or disgruntled with leadership, and they decide they want to teach to try to set things right. They want to do it so that they can, so that they can uh, deal with things in their way in order to gain influence for the wrong reasons. And so there are those who might want to teach, and James is issuing the warning, be careful. 
Be careful when you seek for yourself these sorts of, uh, these sorts of glories, these sorts of opportunities, because every opportunity comes with corresponding responsibility. It may not be all that it's cracked up to be, because you'll be judged with greater strictness when you take it on yourself to teach. Then he goes on, For we all stumble in many ways. That's true, right? I think we all agree with that. If nothing else encourages you at church this morning, be encouraged by the fact that we all stumble in many ways. Many of us stumbled this morning, I'm sure. Last night, yesterday at some point. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. The last stand of sanctification is your mouth. It's what you say. We have to be so, so careful in what we say. Think about those moments when you're most prone to say the wrong thing. Okay? Now, it's probably different for you than it is for me. Right? Some of us in the room are probably passive-aggressive. We are confronted with some reality and we act like everything's okay and then later we'll make underhanded or snide remarks some of us in the room are just regular aggressive and somebody confronts us with something and and we go straight after it immediately right either way what you're thinking about when you tend to say the wrong thing is exactly what james is talking about in this passage Whatever that moment was this weekend or last week. And, and listen, let me encourage you to go in your mind, not, not to those moments when you've said the wrong thing that you feel bad about. The Lord's already dealt with those. I would, if I were you, and this is what I've had to do, I've had to go to those moments where I feel justified in how I acted. Well, of course I said that. What else was I supposed to say? Isn't it interesting, though, what James is arguing for here? What he's saying is is that controlling the tongue gives us control over other things. In other words, our tongue impacts our heart. We so often want to wiggle out from our speech. We, We want to take a step away from our speech. We want to divorce who we are in here from our speech. But what James says is the way you speak and the way you talk and your ability to bridle your tongue is indicative of your heart, of the issues you have going on inside, of your ability to have self-control in other ways. He gives two examples, two illustrations. One is a horse bit. I've been up close to a horse before and I don't think I can make a horse physically do what I wanted to do if I tried right if that horse wants to kick me and put me down if it's sick of me it will it's stronger than I am it's bigger than I am horses are capable animals and yet think of all the amazing things that humans have been able to do in history with a horse they learned how to bridle a horse how to how to use a bit in its mouth and through its mouth to control the horse think also of a ship any sort of naval um technology sort of blows my mind even old ships to new ships it's kind of an amazing thing to think that vessels can be created that can navigate the seas when i think about ancient navigation it blows my mind even more it's an amazing thing 
And here Paul is pointing us to the reality that a large ship can be controlled by a small rudder. Don't think for a moment. Don't think for a moment that what you say is not impacting who you are. Do not think for a moment that your tongue is not impacting the entirety of who you are. Don't think for a moment that your tongue, the rudder, is not steering the ship of your life, maybe even more than you think. What you say can control your life. We do. We, we, we try to divorce our words from who we really are. Oh, I just say that stuff. Oh, that's just the kind of stuff I post. It's, it's not really what I think. But you see, my friends, I want you to know you must be careful with what you say. You must be careful with how you speak because the Bible teaches us that our speech eventually works its way down into our hearts. That our lives are often controlled by the way we talk. Now we all have to think about this with great scrutiny in our own hearts and lives. Second of all, not only... Must we watch what our tongue can do to our heart? Second of all, you must watch what your ego can do to your tongue. Watch what your ego can do to your tongue. What, watch, what, watch what your tongue can do to your heart, but also watch what your ego can do to your tongue. What does James say in verses 5 and 6? Look at what he says. He says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it what? It boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. One of the primary sources that every one of us has for evil speech is pride. So often the kind of speech that the Bible is discouraging us from and calling wicked even is rooted in boastfulness. In fact, if you read through the entirety of the Bible, you'll see a theme of the way that those who are opposed God uh, to God are often great boasters. You see a theme of that even in the book of Revelation when it talks about the way that evil is manifesting itself in the last day. So often it's associated with a boastful mouth. Though the mouth is small, it boasts of great things. And this little spark of pride can cause great fires. Where does this little spark come from? I want you to think about this. Think about your speech. What does he say? Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness, such a small thing, and yet a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Are you a fire breather? Are you the kind of person who's so self-centered and so self-focused that you don't care what other people think, how they feel, as long as you get to say what you want to say? Are you so focused on yourself that all you can talk about is yourself? Your tongue, then, is set on fire by hell because the devil wants you to focus on you. And so if you want to get your speech under control, 
If you're, if you're sitting there thinking, man, if some of y'all might have stayed home today because you're dreading this sermon. And so you're watching online or you're not watching at all. Or maybe you're, maybe you're watching this a week later because <laughs> you finally mustered up the courage to face this text. I understand. I don't like it either. But just imagine. Imagine what you have to do if you say, I am so frustrated with my tongue and I don't know what to do. I would take a long, hard look in the mirror you start to evaluate whether or not you are boastful and you may not be boastful outwardly but are you boastful in your heart leading to an unwieldy tongue boasting is a great evil and it doesn't stop at your speech it can stain your whole body and set on fire the entire course of your life some of us are fire breathers and we can't control it and everywhere we do fires are springing up and what we say is man i hate drama Everywhere I go, there's drama. But I want you to consider the fact and the way that pride wrecks everything it comes in contact with. Pride is a poison and it wrecks everything it comes in contact with. It is a torch that torches everything it comes in contact with. And I want every single person here to be really careful in how we justify behavior. And I don't mean just our own behavior, but even the behavior of others. Be careful in how you justify pride, because what you justify in others, you'll eventually justify in yourself. Watch what your ego can do to your tongue. But third of all, watch what your tongue can do to others. Watch what your tongue can do to others. And so we want to be careful about what our tongue can do to our heart. We want to be careful about what our ego can do to our tongue. And we want to be careful about what our tongue can do to others. Notice what James tells us in verses 7, 8, and 9. Turn your attention there to those passages, those verses. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And with it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Early on in our marriage, Whitney and I had an argument. This is our first year of marriage. I remember where we were. We were on Airport Boulevard in Mobile, Alabama, where we live for our first year of marriage, we're driving down the street, and we are in a humdinger of an argument. Now, y'all wouldn't understand this sort of thing, but especially in first year of marriage, but this is what was going on. And uh, I was angry, she was angry, and we're arguing, and she and I have what could be determined clinically as two different styles of arguing. Might be surprised. Some of you may have heard the great... Uh, Robert Frost poem. Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. Well, that first year we thought some say our marriage will end in fire. Some say in ice. And you can guess who's the fire and who's the ice. As we're riding down Airport Boulevard arguing, I'm discoursing on something as I'm wont to do. And suddenly I had a feeling of familiarity. It just felt like I was doing something I do. Just it felt similar to something else I do. And I had a horrifying moment when it dawned on me what I was doing. 
I was preaching. I was preaching. I had the same feeling. My mind was in the same frame, yet in an ungodly way. I was using the same techniques, doing the same things I do when I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I was angry and fighting with my wife. This is part of the point that James is making here. Is the same tongue that God made and designed to do good things with. We take it and we use it for evil, for wickedness. We, we use it for fighting for arguing, for being angry with one another. James says, no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of poison. I know what, I don't know necessarily exactly from firsthand what restless evil looks like, but I know what restlessness looks like. It looks like a toddler. You never can take your eyes off a toddler, can you? You let them go, and uh, Peggy's laughing because she's usually got several of them running around in the nursery. No, we, 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 you can't leave them for a second. Have you ever heard a young mom say that? I just can't leave them for a second. That's what restlessness looks like. Just You turn around and next thing you know, they're into something else. You pull them out of one thing, they, they're into something else. The same with our mouths if we're not careful. Our tongues, if we're not careful, are a restless evil. They're always looking for something else. They're full of poison, the Bible says. Yet it's capable of such glorious, glorious things. Notice what the scripture says. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people. With it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Have you ever considered the miracle of what you do here each week or what you might be doing from home each week right now? Have you ever thought about the miracle? One day your mouth will close. One day you won't be able to speak anymore. One day we'll lie silent in the grave. And yet today, today, do you know what you got to do today? You got to sing praises with your mouth, with your tongue, with your finite, finite, failing, clamoring, as the hymn says, tongue. Right? You got to sing praises to an eternal God. And guess what else? He was pleased with it. Have you ever considered just the glory of what you get to do when you pray, when you speak the name of Jesus? God didn't have to show Himself to us. He didn't have to reveal Himself to us. And yet, what we can say right now is a great mystery that was hidden for the ages, things into which angels even long to look. We come together and we say out with one voice and one accord, Jesus Christ is Lord. What an amazing thing that is. What amazing glories our tongues can recite as we sing praises to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we call out on His name. And yet, at the same time, we can come here and we can sing praises to a glorious God and we can walk out the door and sit down at a restaurant and we can upbraid a person who was made in that God's image with the same mouth. These things ought not be so our tongue is capable of such glorious things and yet at the same time capable of such wicked things every time you open your mouth 
remember that that's the same mouth you praise Jesus with. Every time you look at a person, a human being, created in God's image, no matter how much disdain you have for them, no matter how much frustration you have for them, no matter how much hatred you might have in your heart for that person, when you look at that person, I want you to remember that the God you praise with your mouth is the God who made them, and He made them in His image, and He is not taking suggestions on how He wants those created in His image treated. You belong to Jesus. You cannot say whatever you want. Whether they hear it or not, we have to be careful with how we speak and think and feel about those who are created in the image of God. Be careful, my friends. And that leads us to our last point. Our first point was watch what your tongue can do to your heart. And point number four is this, watch what your heart can do to your tongue. Watch what your heart can do to your tongue. So watch what your tongue can do to your heart. Watch what your ego can do to your tongue. Watch what your tongue can do to others. And watch what your heart can do to your tongue. Verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Why is that? How is that possible? How, how is it that from the same mouth can come blessing and cursing? Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce fig? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I want you to ask yourself as you fight with your tongue, as you seek to get your mouth under control. And I, I want you all to know, it's like people come up to me afterwards and say, Preacher, my goodness, you know, that was rough this morning. I said, what a rough sermon. And as I always say, imagine spending all week with that thing. And now imagine being me and spending all week with this thing. It's miserable. So as we battle with our tongues, as we're careful with our mouths, we have to ask ourselves, what is fueling this behavior? What sort of tree is producing this fruit? When salt water pours out, what kind of spring is fueling it. The Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what we're trying to do in every direction, is distance ourselves from our words. We, we try to act like they have no impact on us. I can say what I want, and it, it really doesn't change who I am. It's just I'm me no matter what. But James reminds us that our words eventually will impact our heart. But we also try to wiggle out in the other direction where we try to make it seem like our speech doesn't actually reflect the, the true us. I'm not really like that. I just talked like that. But James is making it clear here that our heart, who we are on the inside, the sort of tree we are, the sort of, the sort of spring that we are, it outflows into our lives and it comes out of our mouth. And the reality is your heart is reflected in the way you talk. The way you speak. My friends, I fear 
I fear the glibness and the callousness with which we treat speech, not only in our culture, but in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've had experiences with people in the past as a pastor, a long time ago, but I've had people say things that were deliberately hurtful. And you say back to them, are you just trying to be hurtful? Is that what you're, are you actually trying to be hurtful? And, and you know how they respond usually? Well, that's just part of your job. You need to be prepared for this sort of thing. My friends, no pastor, no, no Christian, no human signs up for people to be sinful toward them. Now, you can say hard things to me. I can handle that. But there's no reason for us to be deliberately angry. And I recognize at some level or another that is part of the job. And, and I don't sit around thinking about mean things people have said years ago. I don't sit around dwelling on those things. But what I'm most concerned about is that sort of an answer. That's sort of an answer. I worry about our hearts. I, I worry about the way that we hear ungodly speech. Some of us almost 24 hours a day spewing out when we disagree with people. People don't call them just normal names. They don't say, I disagree. I think you're wrong. They say, I think you're stupid. I think you're ridiculous. What an idiot. We have names that we've come up for whole, for come up with for whole groups and classes of people that are meant to degrade them. My friends, this should not be so. Be careful what you justify. Be careful what you say is okay when the Bible says it's not okay. Well, they just frustrate me. Well, I was so angry. I understand. We all stumble in many ways. And the reality is that until the day Jesus returns and makes us whole, and He finally teaches our lips to do nothing but what he wants them to do uh, until he finally teaches our lips how to honor him in every way on that great day when we come to meet jesus the reality is that we have to live in a world where we recognize every idle word we will be judged for and so here's what i hope we'll do i hope we'll square up really square up with what our words can do to our heart and, and I hope we'll really square up with what our pride can do to our words. And I hope we'll really honestly take a long, hard look at what our words can do to people who are made in God's image. And my friends, I hope you'll recognize that your heart, who you are right here, impacts what comes out of here. Cling to Jesus reject the flesh my hope and my prayer is that we will speak gospel truth and gospel grace in our tone and our words reject the devil flee from the devil don't use devilish speech move instead toward gospel discourse i think we'll be amazed i think we'll be stunned i think we'll be shocked at the great harvest of peace and love and joy that will be harvested out of our hearts and lives rather than this fire overcoming our whole course of life instead grace and peace and hope and love and the gospel of jesus christ emanates from us we have the opportunity my friends i pray and hope that we will go and do as our lord has asked us to go and do 
this morning you may need to respond to the Lord I want to encourage you right there where you are if you're a believer and you say pastor my words uh, my words have not always reflected the gospel like I want them to you take a few moments now to respond to the Lord where you are second of all you may say I'm an unbeliever but I see the way that I need Jesus to help make these things right in my heart and life I'd love to talk to you after the service is over today about what it means for you to be a believer but even right now I want you to talk to Jesus in this time of reflection even now and finally you may be looking for a church home and while our altar is not open right now because of social distancing requirements nonetheless if you'd like to talk to me after the service I'd love to talk to you about what it means for you to be a member of First Baptist Church after this prayer I want you to stay right where you are and respond to the Lord during this time let's pray Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his gospel. And God, I pray that you would transform our speech by the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.